With the 13th pick in the 1996 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Kobe Bryant from Lower Marion High School in Pennsylvania. Bryant, to shot! My next dream is to be honored one day for inspiring the next generation of athletes to have a dream, sacrifice for it, and never ever rest in the middle. times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway, um, that is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And if you guys, if you guys can understand that, then what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Um, something greater will. And uh, if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. Thank you guys so much. I love you. And, uh, Mamba out. Welcome to the 3 and D pod. We come to you this Saturday on some news that we really don't want to discuss, but we know is absolutely needed, and that's the passing of Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, or Gianna Bryant. Um, We found this out last Sunday. I think it kind of shocked the world in a lot of ways. Um, I know it shocked me. Just the news came out of nowhere, and the world kind of just stood still for, for a second. And... I was telling Wayne this earlier, but you don't realize how much of an impact one person has on you that you don't even know, you know, unfortunately, until they're gone. So first off, we we just want to acknowledge all the people lost um, in this tragedy. It ha- happened on Sunday morning. It was a helicopter c- crash, and it killed um, nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna. Um, but very easy to get lost in only speaking about them because they are the most, I guess, well-recognized ones, but there's still families uh, suffering with their losses as well. We we think we know pain based off a person we don't even know, but imagine what those families are going to as well. So we just want to send our thoughts and our prayers to those um, affected by this and just the whole NBA community. I mean, the magnitude of this felt like when Michael Jackson passed away or when Princess Diana passed away and just these almost young legends, young icons just lost and gone too soon. So we're going to try to give our thoughts on this. Obviously, I know this is not the the most exciting podcast and we're, we're going to talk about some some stuff happening around the NBA as best as, best as we can a little later in this episode, but we just want to first start by, by giving our thoughts on everything that's happened. And so I'm going to hand it over to my boy, Wizzy Wayne. So what did, how did this, um, I guess, hit you? How, how did this impact you? Just your thoughts on this whole situation? Well, first off, when I first heard about it, I honestly couldn't believe it. Like I didn't want to believe it because I found out from uh, my homie Caleb, and he was, you know, texting me in our Instagram group chat. He was like, hey, man, uh, he said something like, uh, I can't believe this happened, yada, 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 something along those lines. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, just just search Kobe. And at first, I was like, no, nah, I don't want to search Kobe. I'm going to find something I don't want to see, and I'm good. Like, w- between him congratulating LeBron on passing him for uh, on the all-time scorers list, like, what could he have done in the past however many hours, because it was on Saturday. Like, what the heck could have happened between that point and now? Um, and so I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to see it. And then as soon as Caleb texted me that, I got a Woes tweet that said Kobe Bryant was in a plane or a, a helicopter crash. And I was like, you're kidding me. 
And I still didn't want to believe it because then I saw that TMZ was reporting about it. And I was like, man, forget TMZ. Like, nobody likes TMZ. Nobody listens to TMZ. They're out here, you know, with the nonsense. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't falling for that. And so I wanted to just be like, nah, it ain't real. It ain't true. And then, of course, more and more tweets came out from Woes. And I was like, well, I mean, if Woes said it, then it got to be true. Like, take his word as gospel sometimes. Um, and so I did what everybody does and opens up Twitter, which I probably shouldn't have done. Like, forget Twitter, bro. Uh, and I keep singing all this stuff about, you know, Kobe's gone. Thank you, Kobe, all that stuff. And I was like, are you seriously kidding me? And so at that moment, I'm only seeing that it's just Kobe. And then things start coming out that there were other people on the plane or on the on the helicopter. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what, what were they doing? Where were they going? And then it came out they were going to the um, the Mamba facility or whatever. And then somebody said that, like, oh, um, Kobe and his daughters were on the plane. And I was like, are you serious? And then it kind of, like, dwindled down to, like, the real news. And it was um, it was just Kobe and Gianna from the Bryant family that were on the, on the plane or on the helicopter. I keep calling it a plane. Um, and so that kind of hit me, too, because not only because – like I how do I say this? I was really looking forward to seeing what Gianna was going to mean to basketball as a whole, not just for the women, because Gianna had the best of both worlds. She had the the WNBA that she was getting ready to go into and she was ready for that too. At such a young she was like what 13? She was ready to take on the mantle as I'm a Bryant and I'm going to play basketball in the WNBA. And then she had the best of on the male side too because your dad is Kobe Bean Bryant like one of the greatest players in basketball period and so she would have been that bridge to bring um just like this overwhelming sensation of I don't know maybe closure or connectivity between the NBA and the WNBA and I was honestly looking forward to just seeing her shine in that regard and then for it to just be gone like that I was just like well you know what's what's gonna happen now, and so it hit me pretty hard. Like I remember, I on on Sunday, I had just woken up from a nap. The best naps ever happened right after church, man. I'm telling that's you, that's right. The best naps ever, and so I woke up from my nap, and that's when all this stuff was rolling in. And I was gonna go play football. Well, I did play football, but I didn't want to after that. Like I was telling my friends, I was like, "Look, I don't even want to play football anymore. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit here in my bed and just like watch Kobe highlights all day." I got work to do for my class. I don't even want to do that. I got to write a paper. I got to take a quiz. I don't even want to do any of that. And so Sunday was kind of tough. Um, and then I had to go to work the next day. And I work with kids. And so, you know, they're able to tell if something's wrong with you from a mile away, which is really weird. Like kids, you think they're not paying attention, but they really are. And so having to go through that week, just kind of like not putting on a face, but just not really showing all of my emotions while I'm at work. And I kind of got my buttons pushed while I was at work. Somebody, not a not a Kobe fan or whatever, was just like, you know, put rubbing me the wrong way. And I was like, look, bro, we at work. But if we wasn't, <laughs> ah, ha, 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 hands could be caught. Um, no, nah, I'm playing. He's cool. But it was just, it was a lot to take in. And, like, I remember being a young kid. I wasn't really a basketball fan growing up. I was more football. and But the first person or the first people I gravitated towards in basketball were Kobe and Steve Nash. And then from there, it was like, oh, man, I love Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. And that's when I became a Spurs fan. But what got me into basketball was Kobe and Steve and the fact that I really didn't like losing in basketball to my homie Josh. So I was like, you know what, forget this. I'm about to, like, train up. So I would just, you know – Try and be like Kobe. All the the post turnaround fadeaways, all that stuff. Like that was me. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, up my game, and I used Kobe to do it. And so that's when I fell in love with Kobe. And I wasn't like a huge fan of him on the court, but off the court, as he got older, you know, number twenty four Kobe, the one that was just more cerebral with the game and more technical, and like that's that's the Kobe that I liked. The one that. Um, when he finally found himself and he finally realized that he didn't need basketball to um, be complete, that he wanted to be there for his kids and for his wife and for his family. That's the Kobe that I really fell in love with. And 
Like, that's the Kobe that I will remember. Not the, I mean, on the court, Kobe was amazing. He was a force. But off the court, once he did that complete 180 and turned his life around and was just able to do greater things for the game of basketball while he wasn't even playing basketball, that's the Kobe that I'm going to remember. And that's the Kobe that I want to strive to be like because he had that Mamba mentality and he instilled it in so many people. And that's kind of what I want to, um, I guess, have for myself is a mentality of if I want to succeed at something, there's nothing stopping me but myself. Like nobody, no person, no human being is going to stop me from achieving what it is I want. The only, the only person that has the power to stop me is me. And so once I finally get over that, then I believe mama mentality has arrived and that's what I'm going to strive for. So that's what Kobe meant to me. Yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's actually so many things. There's so many things to unpack when it comes to um, just all the storylines that kind of unfolded what, what Kobe meant to this guy, what Kobe meant to that guy, what Kobe meant to his family, what Kobe meant to his girls, what Kobe did here. Like there are almost too many things to talk about to accurately depict who he really was. So I'll kind of, I'll kind of narrow it down and give my side of things. But, um, on Sunday, my, my wife was actually leaving to go somewhere and we were in this group chat, um, with a couple of our friends and, and one of the friends reaches out and said, Oh my goodness, Kobe Bryant died. And like, as she's getting, like, as I say bye to her and I'm walking back inside, she's like, Drew, did you see this? I was like, see what? And she showed me and I was like, what? I was like, what? And so of course I go back inside, same thing you do, you know, hop on Twitter and you know, that's just when everything's just starting to unfold. And it was just, it, it was such a weird day. Like, I remember texting you later that day and just being like, dude, I don't, like, this is just so sad. Like, I don't yeah. even know what to, like, I don't know what to think. Um, and I, I think that's kind of okay when it comes to, like, grief with anyone in your life to, like, know on that when it first happens, like, hey, it's it's okay to be confused and it's okay to not know what to think and it's okay to not know, like, the next steps, you know? Um which we're always kind of on the move for that, unfortunately. Um, but it's okay to kind of rest and be okay sitting in that moment. Um, but, you know, really my my heart, it really gravitated towards his family and his wife um, and just feeling for them at, for what they have to face now. Um, and I think Vanessa Bryan even, which... <sighs> I don't know how you have the strength to even make a public statement like she did. She didn't have to at all. She didn't owe anybody that, um, but she did. And and even surprisingly enough, she she wanted to highlight and acknowledge all the other families still, which I thought was really honorable. And um, she alluded to it being like this new reality that they have to face, which is totally true, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, even from my own perspective, like being a new dad and thinking about what it would be like if I had to leave them, you know, on their own. And, and, you know, for me, it's just, it's one child right now. It's my little boy, but to think of him, he's got, you know, four girls and, uh, all at different stages of life and to leave them where they're at just kind of breaks my heart, you know? Um, and then the other thing is just, I, you know, you guys heard it here in our intro of th that last sound bite of him at his Jersey retirement and Staples Center and kind of the last thing he was, he was actually talking to his daughters in that moment. He wasn't talking to uh, the crowd. He was talking directly to his family. Um, but of course it resonated with all of us. But I love the fact that he understood that it it's always about the journey and not the destination. And all of us get so consumed with, you know, wanting to get that job or wanting to get that degree or wanting to succeed here, or wanting, wanting to succeed there. 
And it's like we get so enveloped in that idea that we we lose we lose sight of the fact that there's so much beauty in the pain and the grinding of it all. Um, and I think that I think that is why you see Kobe being so influential, not just in the basketball community, but literally in the world, because you can develop, you, you can take that and you can apply it to anything that you do, right? You know, you, you can take that mentality, you, you can call it the Mamba mentality, but just, but just really knowing that like, Hey, even in the season, even in the down seasons, even in the seasons where it's tougher than usual, like I know I'm being shaped and, and molded essentially into who God wants me to be. Right. And on the other end, I might get there one day, but the process, the the beauty is always in the process. The beauty is always in the journey, not just when you arrive, because essentially when you arrive too, you always want something more after that too. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're just, we're humans and we, and we feed off that. We always want something new, but for us to realize, just like he said, there's beauty in the journey. Um, that's one of the things that I, you know, I think I really needed even in this season of my life, um, with what I do. So I'm just grateful that he was able to, you know, get that across to me. And and given the circumstances, they're unfortunate that I had to realize that now, but, um, I, yeah, he was just such an influential person and obviously on the court. I mean, you can't say enough. What's funny is everybody looks at his, his highlights and his like highest peak moments, but dude went through some struggles in his basketball career. I mean, Mm -hmm. through some serious injuries, um, people forget he wasn't like the first overall pick. He was the 13th pick Mm -hmm. coming straight out of high school. He came off the bench for the Lakers and only averaged about seven points. And he had real bad playoff spells against like the jazz when he airballed the three and he, but the, the most honorable thing about him was like knowing that we usually don't look as much into those things because of how he overcame them and the heights that he reached because he didn't settle, you know? Mm-hmm. And we look at a lot of players like that even today, like, dude, don't don't just think like this is the means to the end. Like your your pain and like the losing records and the air balls and the media criticism, like you can all you can overcome all that if you just continue to push and grind and see it as a stepping stool to where you're going to go next. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm still honestly a little bit in shock just by it all. But, um, if there's any positive to take away from it, it's just knowing the impact that he had on the world, um, from a basketball standpoint. I mean, he was basically like, a mentor to almost every player in the league, mm-hmm. even today. And I, I look across the scope of the league and I'm like, gosh, who's going to be that now? Like, obviously some people will jump to say LeBron, you know, to these younger players and everything, which more than likely, yes, but he was just an open book of knowledge and, and wanted to help other people get better. And post career, you just saw him as an outpouring of encouragement to all these players um, through Twitter, through uh, phone calls that none of us know about, through showing up at practices to to young women, to um, to families, and he just and it was outside of basketball too, striving for great heights and you know wanting an Oscar and an Emmy and just you know this unreal stuff. Um, but Kobe will be truly missed. Um, amongst the basketball community and he's I don't know if you can take there's very few people where where you can say if they were lost at the age of 41 that their I guess storyline would be as filled up as his was there's very few people that can accomplish what he did in the short life that he lived and I think that says a lot about him and uh, again my heart goes out to his family and all the families that were um, affected by this tragedy. Yep. We see all these like post game interviews and tweets and stuff from maybe players or media or whatever that 
kind of stand out? Was there like, there's so many of them. Was there one in particular that you saw this week that just like really hit you? Well, there was the one with, um, I think her name was LL Duncan, something like that. Um, the hashtag girl dad video who works for ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That one really took a toll on me. And then I watched the one where Shaq was talking about him where they were like Shaq, Ernie, yeah. Chuck and uh, D Wade, I think. Yeah, they were all sitting at like yeah. the middle of the court. To see Shaq, just this big giant dude, just get so emotional. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think those two really, really hit me. I mean, they're. It just goes to show you how much Kobe meant to just everybody in general, and to see all the stuff that the players um, have been doing on the court since he passed. To see all the murals going up around the world. To see the people. Like, uh, pretty much crowding around Staples Center, you yeah. know, even when the Grammy or was the Grammys or the whatever awards ceremony they yes, just had that happened on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, they had to like clear people out because you know people were like, hey, we still gotta have the awards ceremony here. Y'all can't be out here, and um, just seeing all the, all the everybody pretty much coming together, like that's how you know Kobe meant a lot to just everybody across the world it wasn't just a basketball thing it was a it was just a big one big giant connection and it was all through kobe and the timing of it i I talked to you about this earlier but the timing of it was also weird yeah you know he lebron surpasses kobe on the all-time scoring list on saturday night kobe reaches out you know via tweet and I, i heard even that he had called LeBron, you know, later that night and they had a long conversation and LeBron was just speaking so highly of him before any of this happened. And in that game where LeBron surpassed him was in Kobe's hometown of Philadelphia. Um, and then, and then it comes out and then even just like, I've loved seeing the, the teams, you know, take the shot clock violation to honor him and the backcourt violation. And it just, so weird that it just so happens that his two numbers are two numbers where we're able to commemorate him through a violation in a game where, you know, your 24 second violation, number 24, yeah. and then your eight second violation, just all points back to him just is, was just incredible. Um, did you have a chance to watch the Lakers game last night? I watched bits and pieces of it. Um, I saw the begin well, not the whole beginning, but, you know, I saw that you know everybody was emotional they had the whole tribute thing yeah i watched uh, the whole intro at least mm-hmm. uh and it was just it was unreal kind of the it, it's a, you could almost like hear a pin drop in that stadium you know yeah. um cuz even even in once the game was actually rolling it just like it had this weird feel to everything that was going on like you know player throws the ball out of bounds and it's it's a dead ball and like the crowd was not as like obviously into it as they usually are and it just had this it just felt like they were they were there to commemorate Kobe but then the the final tag of it all was just like oh by the way you still have to play basketball yeah <laughs> and it was just like a second thought um but it it was necessary necessary and I appreciate LeBron coming out and speaking and he even said like so they they tried to tell me i need to kind of write this down to kind of you know respect time and everything but he was he said something about like but lakers fans you know i can't do that to y'all and he just tossed the paper to the side and just Mm -hmm. spoke from his heart and uh it was just really cool to see uh and they they had they had to have that game and what i mean is not that specific game but the lakers had Whenever they ended up playing, they were going to have to come to terms with playing inside of that arena that he really built up. Um, so it was necessary. It was tough. Um, but I'm I'm just hoping that, you know, the Lakers can honor him enough to just go out there and play hard and try their best to get through uh, through this season. All right. Well, uh, we're going to try our best to actually <laughs> move on to some other things. I know that was kind of a very emotional intro, um, but we're going to keep our Mamba mentality too and keep moving on to some other things and keep keep uh, giving you guys some news. Obviously, a lot of this will continue to point back to, to Kobe this week uh, uh, and what we talk about today, but 
let's let's get to first let's get to victor oladipo's return i was waiting for this to happen for a long time and um i think every pacer fan had a sign in the building that said something like something for four, like his number four and then something forever or something like that i don't basically alluding to him returning but just showed like the love Indiana has for him, yeah. which Indiana doesn't get all this media coverage and everything else. So it's cool to see like him really take ownership of that city and that team. And they see the, uh, the importance of what he means to them. Uh, and just his story of coming back from really a year long, um, a year long absence from the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Man, he he came off the bench, and obviously, when you're away from the game for a year, you're not going to be the same. It's going to take him a while to get back into peak shape, and I would imagine we can really start seeing him kind of shine a little bit more when it gets a little bit closer to playoff time, uh, maybe April, May. Yeah. Um, but he's going to have to get his legs underneath him and and uh, be able to be able to shine once he gets some runs in. So he was he was really okay in this game maybe two of nine from the field or two of eight but he was uh, acting as a playmaker which I didn't expect that from him I know he does have those abilities but he was really finding people and uh, through just like pocket passes and some really like flashy dimes within the game and then of course the big shot at the end um, they're playing up on him the defender's not too far away but enough to give him a little bit of space to give a shot off. Yeah. And he just looks the basket in the eye and pulls <laughs> up. He, he, and I love the faith that um, Coach, Mc, Coach McMillan had in him to go like, I know you've been coming back from injury and you haven't had an amazing game, but I want you to take this shot. Yeah, man. And that was the shot that, you know, kind of – pushed them into overtime and eventually got them the win. So, so d- what, what were your thought thoughts on his return and just him coming back from this, this long absence? I mean, even though the numbers weren't great, uh, this, he, he needed this game, uh, mainly because, uh, just to prove to everybody that he still got it. And I think he, even with the numbers and everything, I think he proved to us that he can still hoop in the NBA especially with that shot that you talked about. Um, that was a cold-blooded shot, man. I mean, I, I, was, I watched it, not when it happened, but I watched, like, the highlights, and then I watched the condensed game on um, NBA League Pass. And just seeing that happen, like, he came around, got the pass, and he just looked dude in the eye and then looked at the basket, and dude was kind of playing off of him. And I think he, I think the guy knew, the defender knew he was about to shoot it because he, he started, like, creeping up on him towards the end right before he pulled it. And Deepa was like, nah, man, it's too late, bro. And he let that thing fly, and it shakoom. And so, I just I'm happy for him. I'm glad to see Oladipo is one of my favorite players, so I'm glad to see what he's gonna do. I'm also glad because home dude can sing, sing, sing. So <laughs> I'm waiting for some music coming. He's from dropping this dude, some bro. hot tracks. Yes, sir. He's dropping some dimes and some hot tracks at the same time. You know him and him and Damian Lillard need to like make a song or dude. something, dude. That's Just, a good idea. They need to collab on a song, bro. A collab on an album. That would be dope. I, I'm about to. I'm about to M- put that like into an existence. NBA Central album, basically. Yes, they need to collab. Man. That's a good idea. Actually, that'd be great. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, I think more than anything, this was just a like a a good return for him. I think that shot at the end really um, made it commemorable and just because he hadn't made a three. He hadn't made a three in the yeah, game until to that, that point, right? Um, and then he, he obviously had that very emotional um, post game interview. Yeah. Um, which you know sometimes I get a little frustrated with the fact that the media puts so much spotlight on the players at such vulnerable times in their life. I guess that's just something that that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, hey, one of your idols just passed away. What are your thoughts? You know, it's like, oh, well, I haven't even had any time to process it. You know, it's kind of yeah. unhealthy in some ways, but. Um, he handled that well and obviously alluded to th- that Mamba mentality. And and I'm sure it was a combination for him of knowing what Kobe meant to him and then also the time he's been away and just grateful to be back. Um, and that Indiana team, man, 
I would watch out. Seriously, I would watch out. They were they were doing really good before he came back. DeMontis Sabonis is an all-star. Miles Turner can hold down the paint. Malcolm Brogdon, another playmaker. Yo, Malcolm Brogdon was balling that game. Jeremy Lamb is a good uh, they have a, kind of 3 and D guy. Yeah, and they have this dude, uh, Sampson. I think Jakar Sampson. I think yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a point where uh Oladipo took a three and he missed it. And Samson comes from like the left corner, catches it midair with one hand and yeah. throws it back. And I was like, Yeah, Who that is this kid? that dude is a is a just an energy player. Like yeah. he's not gonna get you a bunch of jump shots or anything like that or be playmaking, but he's just got hustle and energy. Yeah, in him. he's got he's like a kind of a like a bigger Draymond Green. If he can just yeah. learn how to like facilitate a little better. They could use him in that position, and that would be pretty dope if they had someone who could a big that could also facilitate the offense. Oh my goodness! Yeah, they and got a, on people. They got a lot of good people around them, uh, like Aaron Holiday, Drew, Drew Holiday's brother, uh, the youngest one, and then the other Holiday brother oh, is yeah. also on the team. They got both of them. Uh, what's his name? Justin. Justin Holiday, right? What Justin's a huge part of their team as well. I mean, he he has been a key part of their bench. As well as uh, like Doug McDermott, who can come down off pin screens and nail any shot and take it to the rack. So, I would, I would put, I would put a bunch of chips in on the Pacers. Maybe not to win the the East, but definitely to. I I feel like they would put some fear into any team that they face in the playoffs because they're just a really good team with a lot of solid players that know how to win. So yeah. And I love kind of rooting for those teams that nobody is is, is rooting for mm-hmm. and nobody thinks is going to do anything. I love when they can kind of come out on top. So um, this, they will have to figure out how to kind of integrate a guy like Oladipo back into what they're doing because for months now they've learned how to play without him. And so that's that can be pretty challenging as a team, yeah. I feel like. So that's going to take some time. But when you have like a, a guy like Oladipo, Oladipo, who's got such great character and is a great teammate, that shouldn't be hard. He'll he'll do what's best for the team, even if that means, hey, for the rest of the year, we need you to come off the bench. Like, yeah, I could see him being a guy that says, like, I'm totally down for that as long as if, it if it helps, helps the chemistry and helps the team, like the morale and everything. Then yeah, I'll come off the bench. It's Absolutely. fine. Absolutely, because I've already learned how to play without him. You don't want to come in and just like ruin that just because. Oh, I'm Victor Oladipo. I deserve to be in starting lineup. No, he'll. I feel like he's one of those guys who's just like, you know what? I know that I've been gone for a while and y'all got your own chemistry. So I don't want to ruin that. So if right. you don't want to go out there and start and then I'll just come in off the bench for the rest of the season, I'm good with that. Yeah. And then next season, bring back me bring me back in the starting lineup. Yeah, and kind of, you know, evolve everything around him and maybe Sabonis. Yeah. Welcome back, Depot. Yes, sir. Ola Threepo. Ola Threepo. Well, the Knicks um, are bringing some much-needed comedic relief to our week. Yeah. <laughs> they always do, really. I mean, yeah. almost without fail. The Knicks, um, Wednesday night, just had a flurry of just garbage moments. Mm-hmm. Just made this, it was called, I'll, I'll call it like a garbage party. They had a garbage party whole, on Wednesday. The whole night was garbage time. They faced the Memphis Grizzlies and they got blown out. I mean, blown out. The The, the Grizzlies were up big near the end of the game. And I'll kind of get to, um, you know, the first moment of this, the first fail of this, I guess, is the fact that they are just so bad. Mm-hmm. The second fail of this is that the middle of the game, the fans are chanting, sell the team, sell the team, <laughs> while James Dolan is in attendance. Look, if- while he's in the, like, he is watching the game and he's hearing this from, the fans that he owns the team these these fans are chanting this at him basically yeah it's crazy because if there's any fan base who literally does not care one of like at the top of the list somewhere is Knicks fans because they've been just just people in New York yes they you, have you think of Giants down, fans you think oh of Knicks goodness. fans like they're ruthless yes like it's crazy and so I don't expect anything less from Knicks fans when it comes like so the team like that's that's what I expect from them. They've been down in the dumps for so long and they're tired of it. They want to be contenders. They want to have a team that is fear in the NBA. And right now, if you know 
if I'm playing, if, if I'm on the Rockets and I see we're playing the Knicks, like in my head, that's like it's a bye, it's a bye game, bro. Like, go ahead, put the bench out there. Let the bench players start, and then we'll come off the bench. Like, it's pretty yeah. much just like a practice game. Or scrimmage. They do have some tough guys on the team, like some tough-willed guys. Yeah. But putting all those guys together kind of just creates some drama. And near the end of the game, the Knicks are inbounding the ball. There's maybe 50 seconds or so left in the game. And Jay Crowder, with the Grizzlies up big, Mm -hmm. goes for the steal, is successful in that attempt, draws away to the corner (laughs) on his side, and rises up for a three-pointer. Now... The person that has a big problem with this is Alfred Payton, who in his mind sees this as a major diss and completely disrespectful. So in midair, Alfred Payton pushes him. Mm -hmm. He falls to the ground, and then there's this kind of big, not big brawl, but... A little scuffle. A little scuffle, yeah. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. A little scuffle there, which I know some players got fined for that, and um, there was some punishment uh, that was extended towards both teams for this. But, Wayne, from, from a basketball standpoint, I'm, I'm going to try to maybe get into the mind of Peyton here. He sees this as disrespectful because Grizzlies are up big. There's Maybe there's no reason to give maximum effort because you're just letting the game dwindle, but then just kind of a punch in the face to steal it and then – rise up for a three mm-hmm. when you know you already got the game. Is it disrespectful on Jay Crowder's end? Or do you think, hey, there's still 50 seconds left. There's basically two shot clock violations left in the game. Like, I'm still going to give effort. Where do you lean towards? So when I first saw this, I I didn't know how much time was left on the clock. I just saw what was happening. I wasn't paying attention to the score or anything like that. And so I thought that it was like, you know, time was running out and he just decided you know what whatever last shot of the game I'm pull it and then that's why I thought it happened and then I went back and watched it again I was like oh snap there's 50 some seconds left on the clock like I don't I don't know because I kind of see where Alfred Payton was coming from with like you know you guys are up there's no reason for you to be shooting a three-pointer of all shots um if because it kind of is disrespectful because he's he stole the ball kind of close to the paint, and then he leaked out to the three as if he wanted to go out there. He could have just easily, like, put it up a little two-point, like, jump or whatever. No, nah, this man backed up to the three-point line and said, nah, give me three of them things. And so I I kind of see where Alfred Payton's coming from, but then on the other hand, I'm like, look, Knicks, y'all are not good. And so in that regard, I kind of don't have that much sympathy for you because if you wanted to, like, you know, you could – first of all, he missed the shot. Second, go contest it, get the rebound, and if he makes it, oh well, like y'all are already losing. Right. It's, it's not a huge The deal. only way I see it as being disrespectful is let's say Knicks are inbounding it and there's 23 seconds left. Yeah, where he could have just dribbled it out. But there's, I mean, there's no reason to go and steal the ball. Yeah. But there's still 50 seconds left in the game, whether you like how the score looks or not. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And he could have just as easily gone over and just, like, yelled at him or something or just started talking to him. You didn't have to go shove the man midair to where he could have injured himself because it was right by the the uh, front row of the fans or whatever. You, you could have – somebody could have got hurt if he would have pushed him hard enough. Like, that's – you got to think about stuff like player safety, not only player safety, but fan safety at that point. And so I understand you're upset, but if you don't want to be in that position, how about you just play better basketball? Let's hear what – Marcus Morris had to say about this post game. I don't think it's a build up, man. I think dude is just, you know, he played the game a different way. Like he just a lot of female tendencies on the court, flopping and throwing his head back the entire game. And like I said, man, it's a man's game, and you just get tired of it, man. And then obviously at the end, I was very unprofessional. They went in the game. It's a good team, and you know he does stuff like that, man. When you say unprofessional, are you referring to the steal at that point? Is it kind of code that you don't go for those plays late like that? No, the steal was cool. You got the steal. It is what it is. But when you step back and shoot a three, you know what I'm saying, and try to, you know, low-key like rub it in that they're winning, you know, it's just unprofessional, man. It's soft. His game is soft. He's soft. It's just, you know, just how he carried it, man. You know, it's just very woman-like. 
Can I? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Hold on. I'm sorry, Drew. <laughs> but listen to that interview. When he was talking about, you know, this game soft, the league soft, I feel like in 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 some sort of regard, I agree. This game is soft. Today's NBA is kind of soft, but not in that moment. That's not something you say for that moment. Now, if, you know, something's going on where people are, you know, flopping a lot and, you know, all that stuff. But when you're talking about the three that he took, that's not soft. Disrespectful? Sure. I'm all about the disrespect, though. He, they earn, The Knicks earned that disrespect. I don't care what they have to say. If you want, if you don't want them to do stuff like that, play better basketball. Case in point, simple. Don't get blown out by 20-plus points and, and just be trash. Like, play better basketball so you're not in that position. And so I don't – I mean, yeah, I see it as disrespect, but they earned it. Like, that's earned disrespect. So my my um, issue comes with his comments about uh, him saying, like, female tendencies and yeah. this is a man's game and kind of right on the heels of, you know – losing Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all this, you know, hashtag girl dad and this appreciation for, for women really. Yeah. Uh, and then he comes out to say this uh, was just kind of like a, whoa, man, like we really see where, where you're at. I see what you um, did there. And, you know, even if he maybe didn't mean it and it was just in the heat of the moment, it still goes to show that that's very much ingrained into our culture that we do have this, uh, mentality even without thinking that like that men are better than women and that kind of was showcased in what he said and uh I I, I do have some uh some funny kind of things that were said through Jay Crowder's Twitter I don't know if you oh. saw any of these so uh one I guy one he put in all caps well he puts everything in caps I don't really know oh he does why. Oh, okay. yeah one guy says, my take on the hostility, hostilities tonight between the Knicks and the Grizzlies, what the heck was Jay Crowder thinking? Seriously. And if someone says, play till the final buzzer, then I know they have never played basketball at any level. 18-point lead, 50 seconds left, stealing the inbounds, shooting a three. And so Jay Crowder takes this tweet and he he uh, retweets it with a comment. He says, hey, Tim, with all due respect, I only play one way, and that's hard till the buzzer sounds. I'm sorry if it disgusts you. I know Knicks are your team, but you should tell them to play harder and less talking. And then he also quotes uh, SportsCenter, who took the Marcus Morris post-game interview video mm -hmm. that we just played, and, he's, <laughs> and he quotes it, and he says, this is what 5-17 and 17 looks like. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Yeah. And then I, I really like this one. Um one of the one of the the female savants in in sports uh, Elizabeth Cambridge says female tendencies win wins games though. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jay Crowder quotes that and says amen. You know because obviously you can have success going either way. Um now, Marcus Morris did come out on his Twitter, and he said, I apologize for using the term female tendencies. I have the utmost respect for women and everything they mean to us. It was a heat of the moment response, and I never intended for any women to feel as though in any way I'm disrespecting them. Again, I apologize for my comments. So, But see, that's how you know what's really on someone's heart, like you said earlier. It was a heat of the moment thing, and that's what you chose to say. Like, that's when you know that's what's been sitting on your heart. Right. So whether you think you meant to say it or not. It's kind of a bailout for you to come on Twitter. I mean, yeah, that's the reality of it. Like, we do, we do have to learn to accept and forgive people. But yeah. it's also a, like, if people didn't have a problem with this, would you have came out and said this? Mm -hmm. You know? So five blows from the Knicks on Wednesday night. And they, uh, I guess they get our worst of the week because of everything that happened so they're like the worst every week they're the worst every week worst as a basketball team worst as an organization take it from your fans That's all right. james dolan sell the team yep dame dollar lillard dimes, dropping dimes wayne what do you think of his recent play i mean he he is almost kind of inching his way like kind of sneaking in there to even be in mvp talk i would mm -hmm. i would say i mean is that 
do you agree with that, disagree with that, based off of how he's been playing maybe in the last six or seven games? Yeah, um, I would say he's inching his way in there. I don't know if he'll win it. I mean, maybe if he continues to do what he's doing. Like I don't think he'll week. win it. I just mean, is he at least in kind of the conversation oh, for, for sure. it? for sure. For sure, yeah. Like, the, the tear he's been on with, like, the what he dropped, 48-10 uh, and 10 last game against the Lakers. Um, he's just been completely dominating whatever team. I, I watched the Trailblazers versus the Rockets mm-hmm. game this, this past week mm-hmm. where – he literally stepped past the logo and then pulled it and like just shot up and rushed his face and like made it. I was like, dude. And his when you're this surprised me, but his first career triple double in that game. Yeah. I was like, this is your first one, which is crazy, because you you think like he'd have a bunch by now, but no, that was his first triple double. Which, you know, shout out to him for doing his thing. Um, but yeah, Damian Lillard has been a different animal this past week and so it kind of alludes to what, what i said like at the, from the very beginning about the blazers and how they go on these random surges during the season where like you know they're not really being talked about as playoff contenders or whatever and like right now i don't think they're even in are they in are they in the playoffs right now they're they're in the ninth spot right ninth now spot. okay they're about two games uh out of the eighth spot okay so like they're making that push that late or not late but mid-season push also weekend's about to happen after All-Star Weekend, I expect them to just kind of, like, keep pushing and kind of be in that, like, dark horse for the playoffs and somehow inch in. Because this is what, like, whenever they're not being talked about as much is when Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and everybody's just like, you know what? And now they got Melo, and Melo's been doing his thing, too. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. He also it's had beautiful. a game uh, this week against the Pacers, or it was either this week or uh, late last week, where he had... 50 points, Wayne. 50 points. And he's been shooting the heck out of the three ball. Just unreal. Mm -hmm. The way he shoots it and the percentage he's shooting at. In the game against the Pacers, he was 8 of 12 um, from the three-point line. And then he also had 13 assists in this game. So he's just been on a tear. And I was actually thinking of this earlier. Now, I don't want people to blow this out of proportion. Um but I was kind of thinking, you know, in terms of like the way Kobe played, Kobe would trash talk, but most of it came from just his fierceness within the confines of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, although he could trash talk and do that, he was just just a beast and fierce on the court every night. And I kind of view Dame a lot in the same way as in just that fierce, fierce, fierce mentality and the loyalty factor too. I mean, Kobe was with one organization for 20 years and Dame is pretty adamant on the fact that he's going to stay with the Blazers, which I respect. Um, So I see a lot of similarities in those two from certain respects, but not all respects. Obviously Dame has a long way to go to be even in that conversation to be um, maybe there with Kobe uh, but just, I guess more so in the way that he carries himself and just like, he's just kind of a stone cold killer. Like yeah. when he steps onto the court nothing really phases him. Uh, and, and he's always, he doesn't show his emotions. He never gets down on his teammates. He is always just pushing ahead. And, um, <laughs> maybe that was a difference a little bit more. So I know Kobe would get onto his teammates a little bit more visibly than others, but, um, he knew, he knew how to push them to get to get them to the point of winning, but Dame is uh, really just on a tear. And there's so many teams in the lower echelon of the West that I'm like, I just want to see all of them in there. Like, I'd love to see the Pelicans in there. I'd love to see the Grizzlies in there and the Blazers. Like, I wish there was a chance for all of them. Um, But maybe if I had to choose one just based off of, like, where Dame's at in his career and he's absolutely in his prime – um, I think I would prefer for him to be in there based off playoff experience and just based off the way he's playing. And again, just getting opportunities to go for a championship. And and what if they get Nurkic back within these next couple weeks and he gets back to maybe even close to the way he was playing last year? Like mm-hmm. they could do some damage. So watch out for the Blazers. I'd love to see a seven game series between the Blazers and the Rockets. 
Give me that again, please. Oh, yeah. Or. But also, don't. Because <laughs> remember what happened last time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wayne, don't be so quick to, to jump to that, okay? <laughs> the All-Star Reserves were announced earlier this week. And in the East, we have Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, DeMontis Sabonis, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo. My Lowry. In the West, we have Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, Chris Paul, and Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Now, I do believe that these are all noteworthy candidates, um, and not even candidates anymore. They're in. I, I do believe all of these um, players, to some do- sort of degree, deserve to be in this game. But anytime you talk about all-star reserves or starters you always talk about snubs right so yep. that's what that's what we're here for <laughs> in yep. the east uh maybe some notable people that got left off i think the maybe the one name that comes to mind more than anybody else is bradley beal mm. bradley beal averaging around 27 points uh, and in the player vote was around sixth place and just did not get the nod a lot of people would say because of time he missed or because of his team's record um, but then you can look at Trey Young, and you can go, okay, do you still want to use that argument? Yeah. Um, and then maybe not as much of a snub that people would think of, but maybe Jalen Brown mm-hmm. um, also did not get the nod. And I think it was just hard for maybe doing these selections to have three Celtics total in this game. Um, so I just think they they gave the nod to Tatum. And I, I saw that Brown was appreciative of – those of of Walker and Tatum uh, through Twitter was you know congratulating them. So, um, but what do you think about Bradley Beal being snubbed? I don't get it, man. Bradley Beal has been balling out this season. I don't understand. I mean, someone said it. It's like a popularity contest. In in some he said respect, it. was that Bradley Beal? Yeah. Okay, and. He shoot. He was right, um, and I'm not saying that to take away anything from the people who did make it, but when you have someone like Bradley Beal, who yes, he's not he's on a bad team, but his numbers say <clears throat> that he's doing amazing things on on said team. I don't understand how he doesn't get in, and I don't know how to like articulate that because I don't watch a lot of Wizards games mainly just because. You know they're not that good right now. You don't really need to watch their games in order to know. I mean, here's here are his averages when this year, twenty eight point seven points, six point four assists, shooting forty five percent from the field, thirty two percent from three, eighty five percent from from the free throw line. Those are all star numbers. Mm-hmm. They are, and so a lot of people would maybe look at. Um, a guy like Kyle Lowry or a guy like Bam Adebayo, who Bam Adebayo is maybe averaging 16, 17 points, but has huge impact on his team, um, is all around big, who knows how to basically run the offense. And then Kyle Lowry, who maybe gets the nod because of previous uh, all-star selections and he's a champion and that kind of stuff. Um I don't. I was thinking about this earlier this week, but what if they made a uh, kind of like a filter? I would say for how they select, or a criteria. Maybe is it criteria that I'm trying to think of? I think so. Yeah, some some sort of criteria where you have all these columns. So like the first column could say wins, and the second column could say uh, stats. The third column could say um, previous all-star nods or whatever everything people taking take into consideration and you have um percentages for each uh, each of those things to where it weighs more heavily or not mm-hmm. so like popularity could be like 10 percent, so we don't have to face that anymore yeah and then wins could be like 35 percent, and then overall like talent of the player could be like 55 percent or whatever however you want to do it and then that can kind of maybe shift it to where it's a little bit more realistic or is is it then becoming too programmed i mean it it, that would be a little too programmed but 
in a in the system that we have right now, whatever else they could think of is probably better than <laughs> what we got going on right yeah. now. So yeah, I would sure. say, like, if even if it does come to that, it's it's kind of like I'm not gonna say it's the fans' fault because we want fan voting. It, it brings it brings that perspective and that um, excitement to the game. But when you give fans too much power, things like this happen. But this is also this is just coaches though for these reserves selecting. Oh these. right, this is the coaches. So I mean, you it looks like. When I look at this roster, in some ways, most of it centers around, um, like the prestige you have as a player already being in this league, and then also, uh, very low. Like if I'm a coach, like I would imagine they're looking at stats very low on this. They're not looking at it as like the number one thing. They are looking at team success and how that player impacts winning, um, like. Like Rudy Gobert got in for the first time, and he his numbers are not like through the roof, but they know that defensively, he's an anchor for that Jazz team, and it's led to wins. Um, and they look at Bam Adebayo, and that's and and having him in that system has led to a bunch of wins. But then maybe you look at a guy like Brandon Ingram, who's put up great stats, but they're still kind of at the bottom. So then you go, okay, wh- where is the line? Yeah, I don't know where the line's at, but it seems like more so. They are favoring winning more than anything, well, which if, I don't think is a bad thing. Yeah, it just is what it is. If if Brandon Ingram's in, and Trey Young is in, Bradley Beal should be in. I'll just leave it at that. Boom. How about Devin Booker in the West? And see, that's another tough one because I don't know, and I want to say yeah, put him in. Okay, but I don't know who to take out. All right. Let's play around with it. Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell. Let, let's just only name the guards because he's a guard. Okay. Westbrook, Lillard, Mitchell, Chris Paul. Out of those, who are you replacing? You're not replacing Damian Lillard. No. Um, I would be inclined to replace either. I would replace Paul. Chris Paul, mainly because it was either Chris Paul or Donovan Mitchell for me, but it's the all-star game. Donovan Mitchell is going to give you the highlights you're looking for. Chris Paul, I don't even know. He He's he's flashy. He'll give you some nice assists to somebody else who's going to yam at home. Um, but I would replace Chris Paul with Devin Booker. Devin Booker this year, twenty-seven, averaging 27.1 points. Four rebounds, 6.4 assists, 51% field goal percentage, 36% from three, 91.9% uh, free throw percentage. Wow. Yeah. And their team's made a huge jump even if they're still near the bottom mm-hmm. for, compared to last year. Okay, let's do that same thing with the East. Bradley Beal's getting in, okay? Okay. Who are you replacing? Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton. I'm actually very confused at which of these are actually guards, but I'll try to do my best. Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Kyle Lowry. I don't know, because Ben Simmons will give you the highlights, even though he's, I don't know, man can't shoot I'd say Chris Middleton or Kyle Lowry. Yeah, those are my two. But you really can't do Chris Middleton because his team is the best team in the NBA. Yeah. I'd say Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I'd take Kyle Lowry. I mean, no slight he's, to Kyle. He's but still super impactful, but I guess if you had to choose one. Yeah, I'm taking Kyle. That would be the guy. Hey, congrats to those guys, though, that did make it in. Um, no uh, no shaming over here. We're just – maybe it's just the fact that they need to open up one or two more spots in each uh, for the reserves for yeah. the All-Star game. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Wayne. Yeah. What's the status? What's the status, What's the bro? status, man? We Every week, we do a segment where we talk about the worst stat line of the week. And then we talk about our best stat line of the week. Now, Wayne, I'm going to go first. My worst of the week goes to Donovan Mitchell. That's mine. Boom! I yes, knew that sir. was going to happen, too. Yes, sir. Are you talking about the game versus the Nuggets where he went 1 for 12? Yes. 
have it pulled up on my phone right so, here. So, Wayne, this was the night he was selected as an all-star. Dang. This is not the best way to follow it up. No. Donovan Mitchell against the Nuggets was 1 for 12 with 4 points. Hmm. 0 of 6 from 3, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, which is not bad, um, in 35 minutes. And ultimately, they received an L for this one. So... Not the best way to kind of show out that you are now an all-star. Nah, that's tough, man. Doesn't really pop out on the stat sheet. And even for a guy, even if a guy struggled, like if James Harden went one for 12, he would not have four points. He would have 14 points because he would have been to the free throw Mm -hmm. so many times. So maybe Donovan's got to learn how to work that into his game. Yeah. He's going to talk to James Harden offseason. Yeah. So that's yours? Yeah, that was mine. Okay. How about your best of the week? All right. Now, I believe I picked this person last week, but they they keep shining, man. They keep shining. It's, it's kind of hard not to pick this person again. And I'm, so I'm going with Kyrie Irving. I was very close to choosing him, too. Dude. You talking about the game last night? Uh, No. Or wait, the game on, like, Monday or was something. Was it last night? Against the Bulls. He had – yeah, that was – was I think that was last night, 54 points. 54 points. Yeah. Through three quarters – or two or three quarters, he was like 13 for 13. Yep. Like, dude couldn't – or 13 for 14. I was watching that fourth shot. quarter. It was unreal. He missed two threes and then two other shots, and that was it for the whole game. He went 19 of 23, 7 of 9 from three-pointer, five rebounds, five assists, 54 points. Wow. Holy how smokes. Can, how can you argue with that? And, and also, Wayne, I mean, to – I, I don't know the specific game, but I do know this, that he kind of had a very similar game earlier in the week where he went like 15 for 29 or 30 mm-hmm. and had like 45 points. So he's yeah. been on a tear mm-hmm. recently. And uh, really fun to watch him last night. That game was fun. Uh, and I know for him, like, Kobe was one of his <laughs> – Kobe was his guy. Yeah. Uh, and and Kyrie was Kobe's guy. I saw an interview where they asked Kobe, like, is there anybody in the league where, like, maybe you kind of favor towards or really, really took under your wing? And he said, I, I mean, I guess if I had to choose one, it'd be Kyrie. And Kyrie even called, FaceTimed Kobe on the night that they won the championship mm-hmm. and kind of shared in that moment. Yeah. And he said over FaceTime, he said, Kyrie was telling Kobe, like, you know, what you told me worked. It worked. Like, it, it happened. And, like, mm-hmm. it's just – so he was obviously very shaken up by this, but I think is it would be really cool to see the Nets kind of take a jump uh, on this latter half of the season to maybe for him to kind of commemorate Kobe with some MVP-like play. And he yeah. showed it this week. Uh, I'm always thinking <clears throat> back to the when Kobe and Kyrie were on the Team USA. And they had that <laughs> Kyrie was like, play me one-on-one. You can't guard me. <laughs> Kobe was like, was like you yeah. just came out of high school yeah. or something like that. And Kobe was like, you came out of high school too. Like they were, they were going at it, man. Kobe it was, was like, you played like two games in college. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was so funny, dude. Kyrie yeah. is such a knucklehead, man. But it just goes to show you like. When he's playing great though, you don't really see, you, you yeah. don't really focus too much on all the negatives of maybe the things that he can say. Yeah. So, so that was dope. All right. Mine, my one of the week was Buddy Heald. Ooh, I know it's kind of a dark horse one. Buddy Heald on Monday against the T Wolves went 14 for 24 for 42 points, nine of 14 from three, five rebounds, three assists, and 38 minutes for a W. Wow. Now, Wayne, I implore you, I encourage you, sir, to go back and watch the the very tail end of this game. Okay, I watched it this morning. Get this. With two and a half minutes left in the game in Minnesota, Sacramento is down 15. Two and a half minutes left. When it gets to maybe like 140-ish, 130, they're still down like 12 points. You're like, how do they – I know they won this game, but how did they – how are, how is this going to play out? Yeah. Buddy Heald was just going off and basically getting them, edging them to the point where – Finally, they got close enough to where they just three after three yeah, got down to the wire to basically dwindle away that lead that Minnesota had. 
And then the the crazy part about this game, I know I'm getting into a little bit more of the game rather than the stat, but the crazy part about this was De'Aaron Fox was at the free throw line. Okay, to tie the game, so they're down three, okay? Mm-hmm. They're down three, and they don't have enough time to foul again to get back there. So De'Aaron Fox has to make one and then intentionally try to miss one too, right? Oh. You know I'm, what I'm talking about? Yeah. This dude hits it perfectly Perfect, off, to the, off the front of the rim, catches it, and lays it back in to tie the game, and that is what sent them into overtime. And I, I will say – Buddy Hield was non-existent in overtime, not because he was, you know, shooting his way out. It's just the other, the team was getting more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got them to that point, and obviously, post game was talking about what Kobe meant to him and uh, how growing up in the Bahamas, like it was nothing but Kobe. And so, what a game to kind of follow that up with. And I just thought, man, nine of fourteen from three—that's that's that's ridiculous um and we talked about this last week we talked about buddy hill being benched remember this Mm -hmm. um if you listen to our last podcast we were shocked to hear that buddy hill was now going to be kind of in a six-man role wayne since we talked about that the kings have a three and one record they're winning games like this buddy Heald, he's still putting up numbers um, he's just coming off the bench and I just think it was a mental shift. I think it was a humbling experience and I think it's paying off for them really, really well. So anyways, if you have not watched this game, I need you to go watch this game. I'm it gonna is, go watch. I'm gonna go watch it's this. incredible. If you guys are listening to this and you're hearing about this game, I need you to also go watch the end of this game. It was unreal. Well, Hey, thank you guys for listening today. Obviously this was a bit more of an emotional episode commemorating kobe um and i know that i know that he would want to be remembered as influencing everybody else to push towards that mentality of of just grinding and and doing whatever you do in a way that commemorates working through the journey and and yes working towards a destination of goal but ultimately like finding joy in those seasons where it's a little bit tougher because it's shaping and it's molding you. So Kobe, we love you. Gianna, we love you. Everybody that was lost in this event, we love you. And we're we're sending our thoughts and our prayers to those that were affected by this tragedy. So until then, we will see you guys next week.